Good morning and welcome again, as uh, Chris said just a few moments ago. I want to extend a very special welcome to each and every single one of you. My name is Jason, and I've had the privilege of meeting so many of you, but if I've not met you, I'm another pastor on staff here um, at Encounter Church. So let's get first things first out of the way. My shirt is very bright. <laughs> right? Oh, yes, okay. Thank you for that verbal affirmation. I mean, my shirt is bright, and so... I came in this morning and stood on stage, and they're like, whoa, okay, all right, just to let you know, don't wear that again. I'm like, okay, so for those of you joining us live online, I'm not sure how this looks um, uh, to you, but you may have to just close your eyes. If some of you close your eyes during the message, I'm going to assume that you're not asleep. I'm going to assume that you're just taking in what God's telling you today. Uh, no, but our service team said, all right, Jason, that shirt's a little bit bright. For those of you that would stand on stage, if you came up here and looked out, you can't really see that much of the audience. I'm just going to tell you, because we're live, there's a lot of light shining on me right now, so I'm going to blame it on the lights. The shirt's really not that bright um, until I walked out, and then Sam Mooneyham over here to my left said, that shirt's really bright. I'm like, ah, you know, I know, I know it's bright, so I won't be wearing this anymore. So uh, for those of you, that's an icebreaker, right? I didn't plan on that being my icebreaker today, but I came on stage, and they're like, all right, Jason, it's a little bit bright, so... Um, anyways, w- welcome. So glad that you're here. Today we're starting uh, a new series uh, called Voices, and I'm excited to jump in with you. As you saw from that introduction video, sometimes life is like that, isn't it? We hear so many things from so many different people in so many different ways at so many different times. It's hard to just avoid the clutter. I missed last Sunday, I was on vacation with my family, and I told my, uh, my dad, I said in a conversation on vacation with him, I said, you know, I think I've like officially gotten older in one phase of my life on vacation. I, I used to be that guy, and I still, I still like to do this sometimes on vacation, but this past vacation, it, was, it wasn't like this. So who, who, who of us in the room, you like to plan your vacation day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour? On Tuesday, we're going to do this. On Tuesday, we're going to do that. Wednesday, we're going to do this. Anybody? I see some head shaking. So there's some of you out there like that. That's, it's kind of like me. I like to do things. I like to go, well, I, I think I've changed. I think I'm turning like, does that mean I'm getting older? I don't know. I just want to go and sit. I, 12, 12 months ago, I'm like, don't waste your life. I know it's a vacation, but come on. Let's go do something. Let's go see something. You know, let's go talk to somebody. And some of you are like, Why? Why do you want to talk to anyone? I just want to read a book. And the, med, the best thing about the last chapter is I get to start a new book next. And so uh, the last seven or eight days, I've done much of nothing. And one of those really good things about vacation is just turning off sound, right? It's turning off the voices. And it's getting to a, to a point where you can just breathe in and breathe out and not worry about what's expected of you not worried about a voice of expectation, and sometimes they're unspoken voices. We have a lot of voices coming our way, and over the next uh, three uh, weeks of this particular series, we're going to be talking about three things that we often hear in one of those voices, and today is one that we don't want to be honest with ourselves about, but we all hear, and we all say to ourselves, and it's, I can't. I can't. I don't know how many times you've heard that, but I can guarantee that you've heard that. You've heard it from someone else, and if you haven't heard it from someone else recently, you have told yourself that. 
And sometimes it's very reasonable. I'm in the middle of a kitchen and bath renovation, and there are moments when I tell myself, I, I can't do this. I said I was going to do it. I'm that guy that wants to say, you know what, I can, I can figure this out, right? And then you read a story about the house exploding and someone trying to figure it out, right? I can figure this out. And then you turn on the water and you're like, why is it on the floor, you know? And so there are certain things that I always want to say, I can figure this out. And there are moments that I go, I don't have a clue as to what I'm doing. I'm sitting on the couch reading the instruction manual. I'm like, who has time to read instruction manuals? I have to, right? So reading an instruction manual, sometimes like, I can't, I can't do this. So sometimes it's reasonable. And other times it's unreasonable. And we have the voice saying, I can't. Sometimes we can even look back into our, our, our lives and remember childhood when we hear the voice of a parent or the voice of a coach. And it's not always a good voice. Sometimes it's a discouraging voice. I can't. And that I can't turns into you can't. You can't play as well. You can't perform as well. I can't read as well. And you fast forward and you look into your own lives today and sometimes you can compare yourself to the person that works right beside you and you can say, I can't. I can't. And other times it may be very direct from a, from a spouse, from a boss. You can't, you can't, you can't. I can't, I can't, I can't. Many times when we lay our heads on the pillow at night and we're discouraged, it's from this root in ourselves when we say, I can't. It's the voice of discouragement that ultimately leads to doubt and it leads to discouragement. When we look at the heroes of the Bible, sometimes the, the heroes, the stories, that we, the ideas that we have of these heroes, they don't always start off that way. There are moments in time when God has used men and women in extraordinary ways, but when we have the chance to look deep into some of these narratives, some of these stories in the Bible, you have these moments when you say, you know what, they're, they're not, maybe they're not as heroic as I thought. Maybe they're just like me. We can read the story of Abraham. And we can read the story of today, we're going to look into the life of Moses, and you, you can look at the life of King David in the Bible, and you can even look at some of Jesus' early followers and some of his early disciples that chose to follow him, and you can see the doubt, you can see the discouragement, and you can see the lack of faith that they have, and you can say, you know what, I think they're just like me. Some of you may know this story, others of you may be hearing this for the first time, but there's a man named Moses in the Bible that's characterized as one of these heroes I'm describing. And Moses had a very extraordinary life, not just the way, the time in which he was born, the way that he was raised, but how God used him in his life was extraordinary. And if I could tell you one interesting thing about his life that a lot of uh, Bible and Bible scholars and historians think a lot of people believe, because of what I'm going to read to you today, that Moses actually had a speech impediment. That one of his struggles in life was not just his lack of confidence in public speaking, but his literal um, disability, his lack of ability to speak and speak clearly. Some of you, if I asked you to come up on stage and say, hey, tell me about yourself. Let's just talk. Let's have a conversation. If I pointed you out to come on up stage. Most of you would say, oh, wait, 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 not me. I mean, so others of you would say, well, give me that shirt and maybe it might work, right? Because people could look at the shirt and not listen to me, right? And, and some of you would say, no way, man. No way, no way, no way. 
Well, Moses was put on the spot. And part of his story is recorded in Exodus chapter 3 is that God gave Moses a mission. And at the time, the Israelites were in uh, slavery and in bondage for many, many years. And they were being not just ridiculed, but they were being forced into really, really a tough time in, in their slavery. And Pharaoh turned up the heat on them. And this was a bad time in the life of the Israelites. And so God got his attention in Exodus 3 in a very extraordinary way. The story goes that there is a bush. And this bush appears to Moses like it's on fire, but it did not burn up. And so he obviously, as it would get your attention, he looks at this bush and then he realizes that God's speaking to him. And through that burning bush, God spoke and God told Moses what he was going to do. God told Moses that he was going to go before Pharaoh and that he was going to tell Pharaoh to let the people go. Now, this is years and years and years of bondage and slavery. And all of a sudden, Moses hears from God that, hey, you want me to show up in the presence of Pharaoh and just tell him to let the people go? And Moses had the feeling of discouragement and doubt as many people would, even though God got his attention in a miraculous way. The confidence did not come his way. And so today we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 4. Moses literally heard the voice of God. And in the middle of hearing the voice of God, he did not respond how you think he may respond. So he heard the voice of God, and God told him what he was going to do. And we pick it up here in Exodus chapter 4. I want to read this. Starting in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 4. Moses answered, I believe that, is not verse 1 on the screen? No? Sorry for this moment. What if they do not believe me or listen to me? If that's the first verse that we have, I will, I will pick it up. Is that verse 1? That, okay. All right, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? We'll keep this on the screen. So previously in chapter 3, I was thinking we're going to pick right up here in chapter 4. Previously in chapter 3, we end with what I just described to you. Moses was told by God exactly what he was going to do. Moses, you're going to go to Pharaoh. You're going to tell them to let the people go. And then Moses responds with doubt in chapter 3. But here in chapter 4, he picks up and says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And what if they say the Lord did not appear to you? So he could imagine, listen, I'm picturing myself in front of Pharaoh saying, hey, listen, God said. So a question that I would wonder for you is what do you think Moses was doubting? Was he doubting God or was he doubting himself? I think you can make an argument to say both. In some ways, if you heard from God in this incredible way through a burning bush, and you'd say, oh man, this is, this, this is real. I hear your voice. I see something extraordinary, and God's sending me on this mission. Okay, I, I guess it's going to come true, right? But the doubt was trumped here. And he says, what if, what if they don't believe me? I'm going to go tell them that, and what if they say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. 
Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak. And when he took it out, the skin was leprous. And it had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in this past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. We'll keep this verse up here for just a few moments. So starting in verse 1 here in this chapter, he says, wait, Lord, I don't think you're going to believe me. And instead of being challenged by God, God gives him some encouragement. He says, listen, here's the deal. You're going to stand in front of Pharaoh, and I'm going to give you the power to show him the miraculous sign. So if they don't believe you, here's what you are to do. And so they walk through it, just like we did, through the staff, through his hand turning into um, to one that has leprosy, and then to the miracle of taking water from the Nile River and pouring it out and it appearing as blood on the ground. He says, I'm going to give you three signs in front of Pharaoh. Three signs. Now, it wasn't just God telling Moses this was going to happen. It was God showing him. Now, there's a difference. If I told you, listen, um, there's something I want you to do. You're going to do this. And I described some miracle to you. You're going to head to the Charles River. And there's going to be a boat there. You're going to step on that boat. You're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to go halfway out. And I want you to head due south. And after about 100 yards, you're going to step out of that boat. And when you step out of that boat, you are going to walk on water. You'd say, prove it. Let's go. Come on. You're right? I'm telling you about a miracle. This was God doing more than just telling Moses about a miracle. This was God showing him. What's that in your hand? Moses looks and says, this is a staff. We'll throw it on the ground. So right there in the midst of a conversation with God, God shows up and does a miracle in Moses' midst. And in the midst of that miracle, still he doubts. So he gives a second one and then a third one. And what is Moses' response? Pardon me. Excuse me. Like, I'm sorry about this. This is the time that sometimes you're nervous about maybe going to a teacher. You don't want to ask this question, or you're nervous about going to a boss, or you're nervous about saying something to a coworker, or you're nervous about bringing up that subject among, you know, to your spouse or to a loved one, and you say, I'm sorry, excuse me. I can imagine this was Moses, excuse me, I'm sorry, but like, this isn't enough. I, I, I want to believe that this should be enough for Moses, right? Like he saw a burning bush, he saw a miracle. He hears the voice of God. God does three miracles in his midst, and still he says, excuse me, Lord, I can't. And this is what we're seeing in this verse. I can't. I can't. For a million different reasons that you and I think the same thing almost on a daily basis when we doubt and we say, I can't. But this is coming on the heels of God saying, no, you're going to. And he says, listen, I have never been eloquent, neither in this past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, this is sort of hard in the Hebrew language that this was originally recorded in to understand what did he mean when he said, I'm slow of speech. 
Many people just say this is some sort of speech impediment. Others say that he may have had a stuttering problem. And as one who actually grew up with a stuttering problem, I, I saw a uh, speech coach for nearly five years, from first grade to fifth grade. And so now I stand in front of you as a pastor, right, um, speaking and, and teaching uh, to you today. But Mo Moses, and this is a miracle, by the way, even in my life, and how God took this away from me and how I dealt with it for years. Uh, and now, ironically, God, how he uses uh, me in my life to speak on a regular basis. Well, this is Moses, a leader of the people, saying, listen, I can't do this. This isn't like the leader in making. No, this was the leader. God had already established Moses. Not in the ways that he would you know, eventually be even further established as the leader, but this was a, a leader that God was calling out. And he had already placed God's, God had already placed a calling over Moses. And yet he says, I have a job for you. Here's a miracle. Here's a second miracle. Here's a third miracle. It's a sign that I am with you. But even so, he says, I can't. I can't do it. Some people say it may not have been a speech impediment. It may literally have been him describing to say, I don't like speaking in front of people. Whatever it is, whatever your reason would be for standing in front of one of the leaders of the known world, right? He had a pretty good excuse. He says, listen, I can't do this. This is not my skill set. This isn't me, God, even though God had already called him to do it. In the midst of sometimes you knowing what you ought to do, you feel the same way. Knowing a conversation you should have, you know and you convince yourself why you don't have it. In many different ways in the workplace and in home and in relationship, we have that voice over us all the time, don't we? I can't, I can't, and I can't. I was in a conversation a couple of months ago with someone who was still dealing with something their father had told them over 30 years ago. And the tough thing about this voice of I can't that she had lived with and that she's been growing up with is that her father's passed away. She can't go to him and deal with that because he's no longer living. Some of these voices that have been speaking over us for a long, long time, they're not easy to deal with. And as I mentioned earlier, some of them are very reasonable. Some of them are unreasonable. We have these voices of discouragement and these voices of doubt. And in Moses, in this moment, he says, I don't, I'm not the right person for this job. So what does the Lord say? The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? It is I. Is it not I? Now this is a moment that God does not respond, I'm sure, as graciously as he did the first time by showing miracles. He asked a powerful question. In some ways, this is a question of rebuke to him. This is a question of challenge, right? Could you imagine hearing this? Who, who gave human beings their mouth? This is kind of a drop the mic moment, right? Right? You're, you're kind of, you're, you're watching TV, you're in a conversation, you're like, uh-huh, what you're going to say now? I mean, God's saying, who created the mouth? In other words, this is God saying, am I not capable of helping you with yours? I created them. He could have started by saying what he's going to say in a few moments. We're going to say, hey, listen, I'm going to help you. Don't worry about it. Like, you'll be fine. 
right? It's easy. That's, a, that's an easy encouragement for us. You, you, you'll be fine. It's going to be okay. And you're like, no, it ain't. You know, it's not going to be okay. I can't. What I'm telling you is I can't do this. And, and all of us have areas of competence, right? You have areas where you can walk into a room and you say, I feel very good about presenting a project. Or I feel very good about leading a class. Or I feel very good about conversation. Or some of you are like, I, I do not feel good about giving direction, but I feel very good about receiving it. I can be told exactly what to do. You give me a million details, and I'm going to cross every T better than anybody in this room. Because you love detail. You have areas of competence, areas where you're confident about your ability. And others, we all have areas where we're like, I'm not competent in, in this skill. I'm not confident. Well, Moses had every right to say, Lord, this just isn't me, right? I, I, don't, I don't have skill in this area. And even maybe more so than us, he, with, a, with a potential uh, speech uh, disability that he had, he said, listen, I, I, you got the wrong person for the job. And God, the drop the mic moment right here in this verse, who is it that created the mouth? Who makes people deaf or mute? Who gives them sight, right? Who makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Is it not I, the Lord? This question that he asked, Moses you know, received this correction and he received this challenge. And what happens next? What does he say? Now go. No more conversation about it. Now go. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. And he could have said, all right, well, go ahead. Give me some practice right here. What am I going to say, God? Let me write this down. Can you give me the notes, right? And this word teach also could, could be translated literally, I will instruct. At the time, I will give you the words that you are to say. So what does Moses do? He should, he should do what? All right, here, here we go. Right? I, I hear you, God. I hear you. You are able, I am not. I have a speech problem. I don't like you know, speaking in front of people because of my speech problem, but you are able to speak. And so I will take this instruction. You just turned a staff into a snake. You just made my hand turn into leprosy, and then it went away. And I saw water, obviously, that would turn into blood. I saw the miracles. I believe in you. I saw and heard the voice that you're speaking through in a bush that looks like it's burning up, but yet it's still there. It's not burning up. And so Moses takes this correction, right? He doesn't. The next verse says, But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Here it is again. Forgive me. Forgive me. God, I hear you, but forgive me. I'm sorry about this. I'm sorry. Please send someone else. Now this is that point in the movie where you're like, Pause it, honey. You know? And my wife's like, no, you, you like to pause and talk about movies. I'm that guy. Can we talk about this? Angela, I see some heads going, uh-uh, uh-uh. I also fall asleep in movies, so even Rachel could be like, what do you care? Why are you talking about this movie? You're about to fall asleep. Right? And in the morning, I'm like, how was the movie? Bro? What happened? She's like, just go watch it. But this is that point in the show, the movie, I can handle like the 30-minute sitcoms. I can't handle like an hour and a half movie. And whatever happened to like movies that were an hour and a half, are they all two and a half hours now? Don't get me off subject. It's just longer for me to sleep, all right? It's just longer for me to sleep. This is the moment when you hear pause, you go, no, Moses, what are you doing? Like I'm reading this story and God is showing up in your life. He's never done that for me. I've never taken a staff and seen it turn into a snake. Like, God has a purpose for you. 
You can't say, I can't. You just can't. There's no way you can't. This is you looking at someone else going, what are you doing? Like, you can't. And, and, and we've all had these stories happen to us, too, in these moments. We can remember when we look at someone else's doubt, and you go, you're crazy. You can do that. We see someone else's doubt, and you're like, no, you are the right person for it. That's a personal problem of doubt. This is what we're looking at for Moses. Pardon me, servant. Sorry, sorry. Pardon me, Lord. Send somebody else. This is when you really wish you could pause, hit rewind, and say, try again, Moses. Like, take two, take three. You, don't, don't say that. And the next verse says, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, now before I read the end of this, this is like not church 101. You know the levels of like education, church 101, church 201, church 301, church 401. You got different levels of understanding who God is and, and God's an emotional God. He created us, even as the scripture says, he created us in his image. God is an emotional God. And even the Bible teaches about anger. Some of you say, so God got mad at him. God got ticked off at him. God's anger burned against him. Anger is, a, is an incredible emotion created by a holy God for good purposes. Even there's a unique verse in the New Testament that says, in your anger, do not sin. So anger is not a sin, how you respond to it, right? Some of you would see something today that you should get angry about. And someone would look at you and go, why are you mad about that? And you look at them and go, why aren't you mad about that? Like they're, they're, It is a holy emotion. When we see things that are not righteous, we see things that should not be that way, we get angry. Just hit the app on your phone where you can read the news and you, you won't have long before you just get angry about something, right? And then you read another article or turn on the television. This is a holy emotion that's driven when things that are not right in the way that they should be. And a holy God that loves Moses, that believes in Moses, that knows that he can do it because God's going to help him, says no, not once, but a second time. And it's not just doubt this time, it's denial. It's him saying, no, I'm not going to do it. Please send someone else. So thankfully, I, I think we can read into this tone, we can assume that he was being respectful about it because of the way and the language, and he says, I'm pardon me, forgive me, excuse me, please, right? You're like, hey, at least Moses is being kind about it, which my kids would say that more often, right? He's being respectful of God. He's trying to honor God. He just doesn't believe what he says. You and I can relate to that, can't we? Some of your prayers that maybe you verbalize, or maybe you don't, sometimes your prayers, your thoughts that are in your head that you don't want anyone to hear, that we doubt God, don't we? And I have doubts in my life and I've dealt with doubts with God before. I see the truth. I hear the truth. I even believe the truth. I just doubt it. It seems like such a contradiction. Moses knew that God was powerful. All of a sudden, this wasn't about God. This was just Moses. Sometimes when I hear people talk about God, or maybe they're upset or they're angry because God did not do this or that, I quickly realize in the midst of the conversation, it's really not about God at all. It's just about them. It's not always that easy. I'm not trying to oversimplify every problem, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, this was a Moses problem. And sometimes it, it's just Moses' doubt in Moses, right? 
It's not Moses' doubt in God's ability because God just showed him the ability. So in some ways, you're like, Moses, hit pause, take two. What are you doing? And in other ways, you can say, I'm just like that. I do believe in God. There's just this doubt inside of me. After Jesus rose, he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead, and he appeared, the Bible says, to over 500 people in showing his power over the resurrection. One of his disciples named Thomas, Thomas loved Jesus, Thomas believed in Jesus, Thomas followed Jesus, Thomas saw miracle after miracle, Thomas learned from Jesus. But even after Jesus being faced to face, right? This is what Thomas says to him after the resurrection. You'd probably do this too if someone rose from the dead. But Thomas's words were, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. Like I, I got some belief here, but there's some doubt here too, right? And this voice that we constantly hear of I can't. It's an issue, not sometimes of your faith or your belief, in God, but in your faith or belief or lack thereof, of yourself. So wouldn't you, if you were the Lord in this situation, wouldn't you get angry and you get upset? You're like, listen, I just told you, you can do it. And I just gave you a job and you're going to deny it? You're going to not believe me? I just showed you three times that I am able. I'm not saying like Moses, you graduated with a degree in communication. Moses you, you know, like Jason, you had five years of speech therapy, right? Moses, I, I taught you, I instructed you. No, no, no. He just says, I can. I am. This is God saying that I can do this. I know that you say you can't, but God said, I can. The Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron? Wow. What a change, right? What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. Now listen, i got two boys in the home. I, I can't ever imagine the feeling and the emotion is if I looked at one of my sons, right, and just said, okay, you can't, fine, I'll let your little brother do it, right? And he'll be like, oh, I can do it. I can do it now, right? This, this, isn't, this is an illustration that breaks down. This was not God's heart. God said, okay, fine, I need someone willing, and your brother will do it. I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and teach you what to do. I, I love this. Pardon me, I'm like, this isn't the, the way that I would finish this story, right? Some of you that might not know this story, I say, what do you think happens next? Like, oh, he probably asked his brother to do it, right? <laughs> you probably didn't even think that was coming. But this was ultimately God's grace of saying, I'll help you. This wasn't saying, listen, well, he's the better orator. He's the better communicator. Fine. I'll take this responsibility away from you. Look at this verse. It says, I will help who? Both. I'll help both of you. It's not that... One, and you can't look at this and we'll say, well, I have a brother like that. He is good in front of, of people. He can communicate. Or I have a sister like that. She's better with people. She, this isn't it. He says, I'll help both of you. In some ways, Aaron was no more ready than Moses was ready. He just knew that Aaron was willing. 
And so God says in a very gracious way, not in a condescending way, but in a patient, gracious way, he says, okay, I'll let your brother help you. And I'm going to help both of you. And I will teach, instruct both of you what you are to do. Next verse says, he will speak to the people for you. And it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. It's powerful. God brings back the, the, the promise and the vision of what's about to happen. Say, fine, not just one of you, but both of you will go. Both of you will go. You'll stand before Pharaoh, and it will be as if God were speaking through him, through you to Pharaoh. Next verse says, but take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. As a reminder, remember the miracles I just did, Moses? Get ready. I'm going to do them. In some way, I believe this was God telling Moses that Pharaoh would not believe, right? He will doubt. He will deny. So take the staff with you. Be ready to perform the signs and the miracles right in front of Pharaoh because you will need it. Because you will need it. Moses struggled with this voice of doubt long before God ever gave him something to do. You and I each have our own voices of doubt. You and I could easily, if given some time to reflect, and maybe you do this, not for discouragement's sake, but for the action that we're going to talk about in just a moment. You could take some time today and write, and you can finish the sentence, I can't. And all the doubts that you have on yourself. And I'm not talking about the, 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 the reasonable things that you say, I can't. I can't frame um, um, a, a new bedroom addition on my house. You're like, that's fine. I'm fine with that. You're right. Uh, I can't either. But I'm not talking about the reasonable things. I'm talking about the things inside of you that you know keep you up at night. The discouragement, the doubt, right? I can't communicate well. I can't. Fill in that blank. What are, what are those things for you? What are those voices that you hear? What are those voices that will keep you up at night? What are those voices that you, that you believe that you don't want to believe? We all have them. And some of those voices don't just come from our head. They come from other people. Things that people have said to us. I was even up early this morning thinking through this message. And I was thinking through my sons. And I was thinking through, what do they hear from me? What's the voice that they hear from their father? What voice did I hear from my father? What voice did I hear from my mother? And how can I be a good voice? And so some of the voices I know are good. They're encouraging voices. That's good. But the ones that flood our heart and our mind aren't often the ones that are good, are they? They're the ones of self-doubt. And they're the ones that lead people eventually to a place of depression, a place of great discouragement. There's two things I want to wrap up with and leave you with today that I want us to do. And these are things that I want you to leave thinking about. I want you to leave thinking through the action of what you can do this week that's different. Number one is this. Don't ignore the voices. Just tell them they're not true. Don't ignore them. So many people hear these voices and they're like, oh, I'm just going to try to ignore that, try to push that out. The, the truth is that you'll never be able to fully ignore all of the voices. But you have to recognize them for what they are. You have to recognize them for what they are. Some of these voices are just downright wrong. And some of the voices that you and I hear are lies. They're just untrue, right? 
And some of the voices that we hear of discouragement, there's a sense of truth in them, right? You say, well, yeah, you're right. I'm not good at that. But you have to recognize them for what they are. And that's someone else's voice. And recognize them for what they are allows you and puts you in the position to do something about it. The second thing is this. Learn the right voices by continually learning the truth. You have to replace the voices with the truth. And if you replace the voices with the truth, your heart will change. Your mind will change. Your life will change and your life will transform. But this begs the final question. What's the truth? How can I, I'm not supposed to ignore, right? I'm going to deal with these and you know, say, that, well, that's untrue or that was unkind, right? I'm, I'm not, that's not true of me. And I'm going to move forward. How do I replace it with truth? Well, in this story of Moses that we looked at, Moses had the voice of discouragement. He had the voice of doubt. We actually heard him voice his, his concern and voice his worry about his speech and about his inability to stand in front of someone and eloquently, eloquently communicate, right? And he said to God, listen, I'm not good at this. Well, Moses had the choice to replace that doubt with the truth that God would give him the words. One of the ways as Christians that we can replace the negative voices and the wrong voices and the voices of discouragement is with the truth that we find in the Bible. The truth that we find in the Bible can replace the negative things that you hear from other people. The truth that we find in the Bible can replace the negative things that even you say to yourself, right? The truth in the Bible cannot teach you how to um, wire a house. They cannot teach you how to, to do electrical, uh, you know, correct. Uh, they cannot teach you some of those things. Those are the ones I'm not talking about, right? But the truth in the scripture can give you confidence. And the next two messages that we're going to talk about over voices is how do we do that? What, what are some of these voices that I'm hearing? How can I replace it with truth? And in Moses' situation, because you read this story with me, you can say, well, hey, it's easy to replace that because God told him exactly what he was going to do. God said he's going to give him words. He could replace his doubt while believing God's promise. You can replace your doubt while believing God's promise just like Moses did. Moses said no twice, but eventually we read the rest of the story. Moses did exactly what God was telling him to do. There's a verse I want to leave you with today that God says, this is an example, by the way, of one of the truth statements that we can find in the Scripture that allows us to replace the negative voices with truth. God says this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And this is on the screen. Even read it to yourself again. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This was spoken to a man who some believe, the Apostle Paul, he never says in the Scripture uh, clearly what his thorn in the flesh is what the Bible describes it. We don't know exactly what Paul was referring to when he talked about this, this pain that he dealt with all of his life. But some of you could say, yeah, I've been dealing with with my eyesight, or I've been dealing with my hearing, or I've been dealing with this hip issue, right? Well, Paul had an issue that he talked about that he prayed that God would take away. And we see in the scripture that God didn't take it away. And he prayed that God would take it away. And so this was spoken to Paul. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. And he says, my power 
is made perfect in your weakness. So when you have a voice of discouragement and a voice of doubt, just know that where you lack, God has the opportunity to show up in your life. Wasn't it good that Moses needed help? Wasn't it? What if Moses said, got it, God, just send me the notes, right? Just, I got this, right? If we have the I got this mentality, some people um, today even aren't interested in, in God or interested in things that are spiritual or open to God speaking or moving in their life because they could say this, I got this. Like, I'm, I'm good without it. And that's when there's this gap between us and God because we say we don't need anything. And God says, listen, my power is made perfect in your weakness and your areas of doubt and your areas of discouragement. That's when I can show up and that's when I want to show up in your life. This is what God did in Moses' life. This is what God did in Paul's life. This is what he's done in my life. Some of your stories of what God's doing in your life, God's stepping into your brokenness, God's stepping into your weakness, God stepping into the areas of your life when you say, I can't. When some of you in your relationships are saying, I can't, we can't, this ain't working right, God can step in. In the area of your life that you say, I can't face this anymore, this is when God can step in and say, you can face it. One practical thing that I want to share with you too, God's moving in a lot of people's lives that encounter church. And it's exciting. We're all at different places in our, in our journey, but... One of the things that we long to help you do is to learn how to read and interpret the Bible yourself. By show of hands, anybody in the room, would you like to read and interpret the Bible better? I'm a pastor. I've studied this for a long time. Yeah? There's a lot of people that say, I want to do this. We have a course called the 112 that we're going to be relaunching in September. We want you to learn how to read and interpret the Bible yourself so that you can take God's truth. You can have it. You can say, you know what? I'm hearing all these voices. That's not true. This is true. We find the truth of what God says to us and for us and about us. We find it in in, in the Bible. And I've got good news for you. You can learn that at church, but you can learn it Monday through Saturday too. And so if you haven't taken the 112 yet, make sure to look out for that um, in the next uh, few months. We're going to be launching that actually next month in September. You'll hear more about it. But God desires and longs to show up in your life. And he longs to replace those voices of doubt that says, I can't, you can't, we can't, with you can, and you will. But this is impossible if we're on it on our own. This is only possible when God steps into our lives and works in us and works through us. Let's pray.